Ballistic Sports presents Out of the Park with Barry Davis. Follow Ballistic on Twitter at Ballistic underscore sports. This week, our guest, Buck Martinez, explains life after baseball is something that he's experienced on more than one occasion. When the Blue Jays released me, it was the uh, first Monday after uh, the final game in 86. Uh, Jimmy Williams, the manager, asked me if I could come into the office on Monday, which is never a encouraging <laughs> sign. And now, a guy who I hope to never hear from on a Monday, here's Barry Davis. Yeah, if you ever see the phone ringing and it's my number on a Monday, just let it let it go to voicemail. You know what the funny thing is? It, my years in the restaurant industry, it's the same in restaurants. Yes. If you saw your boss on a Monday, like if the regional director for the restaurants came, you knew you were getting fired. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I don't even answer the phone could on you, Mondays. Could you pull a George Costanza and uh, just, you know, if you don't answer it, it never happens. That's, that's it. That's right? exactly it. <laughs> oh, welcome to the program, folks. And, yeah, so we're going to have some fun with Mr. Buck Martinez. Uh, he's been on Out of the Park once, but it was part of uh, a Roy Halladay tribute. So this is the first time that we've ever had an in-depth conversation mm -hmm. with the Toronto Blue Jay broadcaster, Mr. Buck Martinez. And uh, we talk a lot about what has gone on in his life, where baseball is something that he you know got away from as a player mm -hmm. and then as a broadcaster when he went to become a manager and then when he ended his tenure as a manager and went broadcasting so there's lots and lots to talk See, about he's got to step away from baseball in a lot of different ways exactly and hey we will not forget about your toronto blue jays of the year 2020 and 2021 so we will talk to buck about that as mm -hmm. well he has very interesting things to say about the organization about where they're going and some of the young players and uh some encouraging things exciting things yeah yes. absolutely i will also have uh, an installment of barry davis as we you know we used to get like five six questions a week mm -hmm. and now we're like dying for one slowly ramping up slowly yeah. ramping up we're All getting right. we're getting them consistently every week now at this point cool. so yep People keep sending them in. Hashtag Ask Barry Davis on Twitter or send them to me at fourth underscore Thomas or at Barry Davis underscore. All right. We will kick things off next by asking you all a very important question. Should they or should they not? We'll explain next. There's Tom Forth. I'm Barry Davis. This is Out of the Park. Ladies and gentlemen, girls and boys, the first pitch with Barry Davis. All right, Thomas, before we get to some baseball talk on the first pitch, uh, we'll talk about our new partners, Ballistic Sports, and a big week coming up for Ballistic Sports because their Kickstarter campaign will be kickstarted. November 9th, I believe, <laughs> yes, is the day, right? Yes, exactly, November yep. 9th, and uh, we'll hear a lot of really cool things coming on about these wonderful games that will soon be available for you. you make great Christmas presents yep, exactly. for the sports fan in your life. And they have three games. It is a baseball game, a hockey one, and a football one. And to make it simple for you, you sit down with this game, you play the game while you're watching a game, mm -hmm. and you predict what will happen in the game. And if you're correct, you you know get points and move forward and all that kind of fun stuff. Mm -hmm. And if you want to play while there's no games going on, because there is going to be a stretch of time till the NHL and the NBA start up again, which is what we're thinking December, November. December, January, right? Right. Yep. Uh, you can play virtually and they have an app now that is available so if you go to 
any of your favorite app locations, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it be the Apple app, right? You can definitely do that and look them up, Ballistic Sports. Uh, follow them on social media, right? And yep. it's a great thing to do. And here's one of the most important things, and this is something that uh, will be talked about during their Kickstarter campaign, and that is Ballistic for Kids. And the founders of Ballistic Sports, um, because they come from diverse backgrounds, uh, but they also recognize the importance that sports have played for everyone's childhood. Mm -hmm. And I know me personally, that was how I spent my childhood days, yeah, playing yeah. ball hockey or baseball until it got too dark and get called in. And we don't see enough of that now. No, We need more kids out playing sports, especially now with COVID going on mm -hmm. and more people are just staying in their houses and kids are staying on their computers. We need them to get out and start playing sports. And what Ballistic Sports is going to do, we'll donate $1 from every game sold to Ballistic for Kids. And uh, that will give money to youth sports, which I think is a fantastic idea. Yeah, it's it's such an important thing, and it's something that doesn't ever get really any media or, or much attention. But anything we can do to get, to get our young people out there having fun, playing, and engaged in sports. Yes. If you have any questions for the folks at Ballistic Sports, they do have an email, which is hello, you know how to spell hello, at BallisticSports.com. And for those who are unsure how to spell Ballistic Sports, it is B-I-L-I-Z-T-I-K-S-P-O-R-T-S.com. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, I can't wait to actually get my hands on one of these games yep, and be able spin. to play it. And you and I are going to spend some time in between making music uh, playing these games deal and right now and there there are more podcasts that are coming but right now there is uh, the one that you and i do mm -hmm. and also uh paul hendrick who talks with former maple leaps on his show yeah it's a, it's, it's fantastic have you caught any of his yeah i heard the one with matt stajan yeah really fantastic. good show yep. really good show all right thomas uh, on the first pitch this week uh, a few things going on in the world of the toronto blue jays number one this trevor bauer thing continues <laughs> to to kind of not necessarily haunt, but it, it continues to be an intriguing situation. Mm -hmm. Blue Jays have money to spend. The Blue Jays need pitching, like most teams do. They're getting to the point where they really could use an, a, a, a number 1A or 2 mm -hmm. to go along with Ryu. Trevor Bowers pretty much throwing it out there that there would be some interest. Yeah, yeah, little winky face emojis on Twitter and... The question is, yeah. do you want him here? I don't know. Every time I hear his name, I just think Josh Johnson. Mm. Well, you see, that's a different reason, right? That What you're referring to is the fact that Josh Johnson was a complete bust. Bingo. Really good dude, but yeah. a bust. Great tools, great yes. pitcher. But... Got, got injured. Yep. Trevor Bauer, on the other hand, I don't know if he's necessarily in the bust department, but he's... He's not the exciting pitcher he's a he was a few no, years ago. No, but, but more than that, he's also very polarizing. Mm -hmm. He's had some serious issues with certain fans, with members of the media. It, I don't know. I don't know if they need this kind of headache. I don't know if they need this type of personality yeah. in the clubhouse. And I'm usually one who's all for engaging people and different personalities and people with character. But Trevor Bauer isn't for everyone. And I think that he's going to have as many people dislike him as they did like him. I can't see Rogers, the organization, being, no. being okay with that well, decision, yeah. you know? Meanwhile, uh, there's another 
pitcher out there that could fit in to the Toronto Blue Jays' plans. Another veteran pitcher, mm-hmm. Japanese, and a guy that's coming off a great year. Now, he is not a free agent, but I have heard some rumblings that you Darvish could be available via trade. And you Darvish, I mean, you could look and say, well, his best years are, are past him. However, he had a phenomenal year. Yeah, 2020 couldn't have gone much better. For him. Mm-hmm. In a short season, uh, eight and three at a two hundred one ERA. So who knows? Uh, but again, the Trevor Bauer argument is an interesting one, and we'll have to see. We'll have to see what becomes of Trevor Bauer. The Blue Jays definitely want to win. Yeah. Next item up for bids when it comes to the Toronto Blue Jays, Mr. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who through reports and some pictures to prove it, has lost thirty two pounds since the start of the last season. Mm-hmm. This is significant because the Blue Jays have talked about um, wanting to get him back at third base. And for him to play third base, he really needs to be in physical condition to do that. Mm -hmm. But this isn't the first time we've heard about him in the offseason with a routine and trying to get himself into great shape. Now, the pictures that I've seen, he looks looks fantastic, right? He came into summer camp around 250 pounds. And so if he's down... From that 250 pounds, that's probably a good playing weight for him. And again, mm-hmm. I never like to get into a player's weight, but when it comes to playing a position like third base, I think you know the more agile you can be and the more fit you can be, yeah. the better you're going to be. It also will help him, pre- you know, prevent injuries. The kid's only 21 years old. I mean, think about that. He's 21 years old. Exactly. I think there's just so much more to what he can do now, Vladimir says that he is now eating differently. He's cutting out fatty foods, ingesting nothing but water after 7 p.m., as we all do. Of course. Right? Yeah, don't you do that, right? Of course. Yeah, of course. Maybe. <laughs> to drink, uh, to eat, there, there may be other things. But uh, I think this is, this. in some ways, this is a way of Vladimir Guerrero saying, I'm serious about becoming a better baseball mm-hmm. player. I'm serious about becoming better physically. Right. Yeah. When we get Buck on, of course, we're going to talk about our life after baseball theme. But I mean, we'd be remiss if we didn't get his opinion on a few things Blue Jays related as well. And we'll definitely talk to Buck Martinez about that. Mm-hmm. I'd be curious to to hear kind of his take on that. I think you know I feel terrible for Vladdy. I've said that before on this program, right? Like, you know, having a bit of a rough year. And again, he's so young; he's still developing. But that weight thing getting thrown around. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's. Thank God his English is 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 you know limited as, as it is. Don't, he's kind of don't fool from that. yourself. I bet you because I know his father the same thing. His father spoke very fine English, but never would to the media. Uh-huh. Right? Uh-huh. I think Vladdy speaks English okay. If you know because all of instructions that are coming to him during you know training camp mm-hmm. or whatever, that's all in English. He he can understand English, but. If he, you know, he obviously feels more comfortable speaking in Spanish, and that's mm-hmm. totally fine. I w- I'd, I'd like to see him try to do some interviews in English. I'd love that. I, I listen. This was a battle I had for years with Edwin Encarnacion. Finally, uh-huh. by the last year that he was with the Jays, he was starting to do them a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And you know, he just needed to be convinced. Your English is fine. He's just a very, very shy individual. Edwin was. Mm. I don't. I don't see Vladdy as being the shy type. No, I mean, he's, again, uh, how much do we really know him yet, right? He's been relatively sheltered. He gives interviews through a translator here and there, but mm. um, 
you know, I don't feel like we we really have seen enough of this guy yet. And it's great to see him losing the weight and getting in shape. Um, and I hope it's a sign of things to come. Um, but, I mean, what else can he do at this mm-hmm. point in time, right? Getting himself ready to go and let's hope for a great 2021. I it's still too early in the off season for me to even get to the point where I'm excited about the 2021 season. <laughs> I think right now we're all real hesitant to be excited about anything. Yep. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, because there's just so much weirdness going on in the world right now. We had someone tweet me this past week when I posted about JP and Sebia being on the show and somebody tweeted to me, um, who is he voting for? Yeah. And I wrote back, I didn't ask him, we didn't talk politics. But I find this a real fascinating study as well, and that is if you are against Trump, like I will admit I am and like many people are, that you know are against everything that he believes in, mm-hmm. and you find out your favorite baseball player is a Trump supporter, will that change how you feel about the player? And there are a lot of people out there that are saying yes, I will not support a player who is a Trump supporter. Well, guess what? That's probably half of Major League Baseball players. Yep. It's probably half. Yep. So this becomes a very interesting scenario in that are you able to separate how you feel about Trump and those who support him and how you feel about your favorite athletes? I hope that people are. Um you know, I'm going to all use my own background um, to kind of fill in my perspective on this on this issue. And you've got a background in politics. Yeah, but I have a background in mental illness. Yeah, well, that too. And when I was really sick, part of, like, the brain's patterns, uh, thinking patterns when you're really sick is, you know, really extreme thinking. Mm-hmm. So you don't just have disagreements with people. It's not like okay, I can kind of see his point here. That it's either like you're all for what some some what you're hearing, or you're a hundred percent against it. And every single fight seems like it's the end of the world, mm-hmm. right? And that's kind of where we are with politics right now. And for all the people that I know that go on about like Trump and and being like the the root of all evil, I remind them that this has been going on with U.S. politics since Bush. But Trump transcends well beyond the world of politics. If you look back into the media and the things that were being written in the early 2000s about George Bush, mm-hmm. you will be shocked at how similar it is. When it comes to racism? Pardon me? When it comes to racism? Well, yeah. Yeah? I mean, it's it's being covered now in the media, racism, I more think, than ever before, yeah, but I, that's a really tricky right. one. And I think because Trump is the first person that's actually said, hey— if you're a white supremacist, he didn't not in these words, but you know, pretty much implied, I want to hear you. Speak up. Mm-hmm. And there are very few white supremacists out there that aren't Trump supporters. But again, I'm not saying yeah. all Trump supporters are white supremacists. I'm saying that all white supremacists are Trump followers. I'd need to see numbers on that. Well, I, th- what I do know is that as big of a mess as the US election is right now. Trump secured a greater percentage of minority votes than any Republican candidate for president you saw that? in the last like wow. 80 years. Wow. I, I find that surprising and I find that interesting. But mm-hmm. again, the other thing too is that if you're a professional athlete and you support Biden, mm-hmm. no one's going to rip you for d- saying that. 
you. That's no the, one's going yep. to hate you before that. But if you're a pro athlete and you say you support Trump, you're going to get it. Yeah. And that is the type of person that Donald Trump is. That and and if 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 I was a pro athlete and I voted for Trump, I wouldn't let anybody know. I wouldn't let anybody know. Mm-hmm. And that's why I don't bring up politics. You know, and the reason why we're talking about this is this is the reason I do not bring up politics when we do these conversations with these players because mm-hmm. I don't want to get into that and cause any fans of that particular person to have a different th- way of thinking about them. Yep. I don't want people to turn on someone. So if they support Trump, I don't want to know because I found out about Jason Fraser being a big Trump supporter. And it bothered me to no end. It bothered me because I ended up having this big battle with him over text about it. And he just would not listen to my reasoning. And he just thought it was funny about everything I was saying. So I just thought, you know what? I'm just not going to bring it up with a pro athlete anymore. Yeah, I think it's And I didn't even bring it up with Fraser. He was the one who brought it up. I think I I would follow that line too, right? Especially especially here on Out of the Park, because you know we we want to talk, we want to keep wellness focused, positivity, right? Like stories and and yeah, the politics again. The second that topic comes up, everybody's to one side of the room or the other, and I think that is the, you know what? I think that's the real shame because as a society right now, we're in we're in trouble. Yeah, we're not doing well. And we've now conditioned all of ourselves. We can't talk about it because yeah. the second you disagree about anything, um, you know, it's it's okay. Throw the hats in the air and start yelling. Yeah. All right. We have a Ask Barry Davis question? Yes, we do. All right. We'll get to that next. And then soon to come will be our pal Buck Martinez. There's Tom Forth on Barry Davis. This is Out of the Park. Out of the Park presents Ask Barry Davis. But I Well, you know, Thomas, you and I have been busy lately. Yeah, you know. And uh, got another music project on the go. Still nameless, uh, but it'll be you and you and I with our acoustic guitars and uh, doing the music that you and I both love immensely, and that is music of the Beatles. So stay tuned. It will be uh, a time where hopefully we are out playing at our, on a... On a stage in front of people. Yeah, on a stage, on a park bench, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, we'll do on, it. On, on a sidewalk, whatever. I tell you, yeah, well, listen, if this is still happening by next summer, my uh, backyard backs into a park. So oh. we get people socially distanced, and they can watch us on uh, on our balcony in my backyard. There we go. Putting on a concert. Done. Done? Done. I like that idea. <laughs> All right, uh, that is, by the way, uh, if you have an idea for a good name for our Beatles duo, yep. send it. It's a good Asbury Davis question. Speaking of, this is the Asbury Davis segment. Yes. Now, I should, uh, you know what, and, and uh, you, you've been saying we haven't had a ton of Asbury Davis questions. I've had a lot of questions and a lot of guests that people want to see on. Oh. Yeah. Or here on. And Yes, here on. This is um, audio show. But... Uh, Whamco in particular. There's a lot of people out there that are clamoring for. for you know, I've for tried. I've tried to. Whamco. I've tried to get Devon White 
I've spoken to him many times, and sometimes he, may, he comes close to committing to coming on the show, and then he's just he's not a real he's very talkative. He's not a, a big interview guy, mm. but I'm still working on Devon White. So Molitor, I don't know how I'd probably have to go through whatever organization he's with and, and kind of make a request for him. Mm. Uh, Carter, I yes, I'd like to get Joe Carter Fingers on the show. Crossed. I just have to figure out how to how to reach out to him. Who to pay? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've spoken to Robbie Alomar many times. He's been on the show before, and the best way to interview Robbie is in person. Mm-hmm. So until we can get back to doing that. Cool. Um, yeah. And Olerud's been on the show too, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Just last year. Yeah. So mm-hmm. not that long ago, we had Olerud on the show. So some of Whamco has been on. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, definitely. Um, man, Whamco was the best. Yeah. Oh, that was a wonderful, magical summer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So our next question, um, it's coming to us from Matthew. Uh, he would very much like to know the name of the voiceover guy who does the intro for the foundation physiotherapy oh 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 i know that's a very good question <laughs> you know matt's very good with the questions about the voices right uh yeah yeah you know? yeah, yeah i remember when uh, we first got tim langton to do our our voiceover things uh i think matthew asked about you know who that was and or how if it was really tim langton yeah it's really tim langton Uh, Very, very cool. So basically, what Matthew wants to know is who the voice is here. Foundation Physiotherapy presents the medical room. And interestingly enough, um, Raj Sapai is usually on this show this week, but he's on vacation, so Mm -hmm. we'll hook up with him again uh, next week on the show. That is um, someone you may even know on social media, uh, a very good a uh, loyal listener of the show, guy who's been around uh, and a good friend. I've gotten to meet him a few times because he lives in Alberta, Brian Leach. And um, you probably see his videos, singing all the mm-hmm. time, great voice, guitar player. Um, him and his wife came to visit from Alberta maybe two or three years ago and uh, you know, spent a few days with him and just just a really good guy. And uh, when we were doing the show, he just said, listen, I'll, what what can I do to help the show? You know, so he was editing things for us and doing voiceover stuff. And, uh, yeah, he he did just such a ton of stuff. And uh, like you, Tom, he's, you know, he's had his battles. Yeah, uh, we're, we're connected on social yeah. media. So, yeah, I know a lot of his, you know, not a lot of his story, but I know a bit of his story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there Pretty you go. Pretty great guy, and that's his voice. That is his voice. So, Brian, you sound great. Yeah. Brian did a bunch of them for uh, sessions as well, um, for segments we used to do on that show. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah. I know. Working with good people. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. At least, <laughs> you know, one of them. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, up next, the man has had many careers and he's had many lives after baseball. We will hear from Mr. Buck Martinez. Up next, this is Out of the Park. What goes up must come down. Spinning wheel got to go round. Always good to get a little CanCon music on the show. (laughs) And that, of course, Blood, Sweat, and Tears. And uh, we've had the 
the man behind Blood, Sweat, and Tears on mm-hmm. sessions a couple of times, uh, David Clayton Thomas. Yep. And but you've never been part of that, have you? I spoke with him. Uh, oh, at the, the radio station. Yep. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, I just was trying to think of a, a song that was fitting for Buck Martinez. And I have no idea why Spinning Wheel was chosen by me, but it was, in fact, chosen. And uh, Bach is a, a real fascinating guy, and he's a guy that, um, if you like storytellers, if you have, like, that uncle that always tells great stories, that's Buck. Mm-hmm. I've had the wonderful pleasure of, of working with Buck for many years when I was at Sportsnet. And I know Buck takes a lot of grief from some people on social media. Not everybody's a fan, and I can appreciate that. I always take great offense, though, when people take personal jabs at someone mm-hmm. like Buck or Tabby or whoever, right? Because everybody's going to have their opinions on what they like and what they don't like. Yep. Um, but I will say this. I've come across many people in the industry from the time I started back in 1992. I've come across a lot of real jerks in the business. I've come across some nice, decent people, and I've come across those who would go out of their way to help you to make you feel more comfortable and buck is one of those guys yeah absolute class I, you know i've i've only ever had the pleasure of meeting him very briefly once last year and it was during that Winterfest thing. Yeah. And he was sitting in that booth all day, shaking hands with people before COVID. Yeah. <laughs> shaking hands with people. And, you know, it was a lineup of people for I don't know how many hours. And we were at the end of the day. We we went up and, and we got to meet him. And, you know, they do, like, pictures behind the Sportsnet desk with him. And he was so warm and so friendly. And, like, it was not like talking to a man that had been greeting strangers for no. hours. It was like, hey, how are you doing? He made us feel comfortable in that situation. Yeah. It was, yeah, amazing. And as you'll hear in this conversation, uh, Buck will talk to you like he's known you 20 years. Yep. And really, it was the first time you ever had an in-depth conversation. So let's, and I will say this, the only Blue Jay that I can ever remember where there is, that who has a fan that travels to road games dressed as him. There <laughs> is There is a Buck Martinez lookalike that shows up at a lot of games on the road in a full powder blue Blue Jay uniform with Martinez on the back, number 13. Wow. Fake mustache, of course. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. that's legit. Yeah, that is very legit. <laughs> All right, here is part one with former Toronto Blue Jay player, former Toronto Blue Jay manager, current Toronto Blue Jay broadcaster, Buck Martinez. Well, first of all, Mr. Buck Martinez, uh, it is great to catch up with you once again. It's uh, it's it's been a long time. I get asked all the time, Buck, what do I miss most about the being part of the Jays broadcast? And I think it's you thanking me. Thank you very much, Barry Davis. <laughs> I used to get that all the time. So yeah, it's um, we've all been fortunate to work in that uh, environment for a long time, and uh, yeah, it's been pretty special. Buck, what was this season like for you, calling games? off the TV monitor. I mean, to watch it or listen to it, it seems so seamless, which is a good thing, but in some ways maybe it's a bad thing. But what was that like for you guys? Um, Actually, once the the games started, uh, it was almost like normal. I mean, you couldn't see the whole field, obviously. And, you know, that's one of the things that I really like about broadcasting is I could see things off camera and give the uh, director a heads up and say, hey, there's something going on down here. I want to see it. 
we didn't have that ability to do. So we were at the mercy of whoever was covering the game. If it was a visiting broadcast, we took their feed. Uh, we had limited resources even in Buffalo because we didn't have a regular TV crew that had covered a lot of baseball. So uh, those challenges were, uh, you know, ongoing for the producer and the director. But for Dan and I, once the games began, it was almost like a regular game, and I hope it uh, came off that way. Yeah, it definitely did. I think, you know, all of the arguing about, you know, what is necessary with COVID, um, baseball it was such a big thing for so many people. And I wonder, you know, do you have uh, really an understanding about, like, how much therapy you and Dan did provide for, for Blue Jay fans this year? You know what? Um, and I've got a couple of special friends. I have uh, a set of twins that uh, live in Cambridge that are uh, really special kids. And uh, I actually went to their birthday oh, awesome. after the season. Now, then there's another young lady that uh, got in touch with Jamie Campbell and he in turn put her in touch with me. And she's a young lady, 20 years old, that's been blind her whole life. But, you know, she listens to the games and, uh, you know, she wanted to get in touch with me. So we've been in con contact. We've talked back and forth on uh, emails and uh, it makes you understand that people are out there listening and, uh, you know, they do gain a measure of joy just listening and watching the games. And um, that's kind of uh very satisfying it makes you feel good that you're bringing joy to some people oh absolutely you know buck you, you've lived through a lot in your life and whether it be things going on in the world of sports or the things going on in the in the world but i mean what we're all dealing with right now with covid it is it's still so hard to really get a grasp on what this is all ha like what is all happening before our eyes um you live in florida where it's been really bad at times how has it been for you if you were to drive uh, on US-19 right now, Barry, you wouldn't know there was anything wrong. Really? We are so normal, it's amazing. The only thing you uh, see that gives you any indication that something is different is people wearing masks, entering stores and restaurants. But other than that, people are boating, people are out, people are playing sports, high school football is going on. And, uh, you know, it's quite normal. Wow. What do you think is going to happen for the baseball season in 2021? I mean, you is it even something that you've pondered of whether or not we're going to try to get back to a regular normal season next year? I think there's so many things involved. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, we just have to be patient and see what the uh, rest of this winter brings. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know that uh, we can predict what's going to happen with the baseball season. I know basketball is trying to start up mid-December. Hockey sometimes after the first of the year. Football seems to be having uh, some success playing their games, yet there's still no fans involved outside of Kansas City, I guess. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I, I think people are going to have to realize that you got to get on with your life. Mm -hmm. And if you happen to get sick, you have to take care of yourself. But, my God, I mean, I feel sorry for the kids. The kids have been locked down. They can't socialize. They can't interact with children their own age uh, virtual classes, uh, you know, I, I fear for them what the impact will be for the long haul. And, um, you know, I certainly don't think the impact of being isolated is as significant as the impact of getting a virus. 
Yeah, I uh, I have two young children myself that have been navigating this, and you know it's funny we talk about the the therapy that baseball provides. Uh, listening to the Jays through the summer, but that was such a huge thing um, to, to combat the isolation. The baseball, the league baseball that my son played this summer, and it made such a tremendous difference in our day to day life. Um, from the start of it, like from before it started to after baseball started, just seeing my son playing with kids his age and and enjoying that social aspect and the competition. And yeah, it's it's really hard because there's a lot of frightened people about COVID right now. But when when I see the impact on my own children and when I when you have I to see, weigh out the pros and cons, right? Like there there's are, yeah. and, and no disrespect for those that are are you know still worried and scared every day, but I mean, everything we do in life, Buck, has a certain amount of risk to it, right? Yeah, and I think the biggest thing is everybody has to decide what they want to do. But I think what has happened is everybody is just following what they tell you mm-hmm. without finding out what the true impact is. They're just saying, well, you can't do this and you can't do that. Well, if I choose to do something, I should be able to do it. And I just think that, uh, you know, we have uh, given away our freedom that I don't know if we're ever going to get it back. I cannot disagree with you. Well, let's talk about something a little happier, and that is uh, the glimpse we got of this future Toronto Blue Jays team. Buck, there was a lot that I really liked about what I saw from from the young players this year, the the progression that has happened. Uh, it was a short stint with that season, Buck, but were, were you impressed with what you got from this Blue Jays team? There were things, I think, that are very encouraging. And to have the youngest position player roster in the uh, majors is very encouraging. To watch the growth of the individuals, and I understand Teoscar was uh, awarded a Silver Slugger Mm -hmm. Award. And, um, you know, to see him grow as much as he's grown. And it started last year in the second half of the season. But, you know, I mean, recently Vladdy's talked about losing weight and how he, uh, you know, came in uh, ill-prepared. Uh, he had to change positions, and I, th- I think his pride took a hit. And, uh, you know, he has not performed like Tatis or Soto or many of the other young stars that he was supposed to be equal to. So I think he's recognized that uh, playing in the major leagues is work. You have to work at it. And he's been given some God-given ability, but you have to take that and, you know, make sure you don't waste it. And I think he's learned that lesson, and hopefully we'll see the fruits of that uh, next spring when he comes into camp, and hopefully, um, you know, he's in good shape. And he's not been in good shape for two years. We know that. And the same for Alejandro Kirk. You know, they, uh, you know, everybody talks about we have nutritionists, we have weight trainers, we have strength coaches. Well, you know, those guys certainly didn't reflect it. And you have to have uh, a lot of pride. And uh, when you look at the great players, players they're they're great people they take great care of themselves and they take care of their skill set and i think that's what vladdy has recognized and hopefully um, that'll serve him well the rest of his career you know a step back from from the bigger names uh like vladdy and, and teoscar uh who throw us like a name or two maybe of some players that that fans don't know but they're gonna know in the next two years if you had to guess well, gabe gabe moreno is the first one and and i've not personally seen him i actually had some interaction with him down here during the uh, during the shutdown as um I, I took the kids uh i took the uh, kids that were stuck down here i took them dinner once a week hmm. so i got to see some of those guys uh and gabe moreno was one of them and he's a, a catcher that uh 
is really athletic and can really hit and can really throw. And, um, you know, I think he's somebody that's uh, going to make a name for himself. Austin Martin, of course, everybody's heard his name. Uh, you know, we, we know about Alec Manoa and Simeon Woods Richardson and, you know, Elvis Martinez. These are kids that um, have high ceilings. And I don't even think we've seen uh, Nate Pearson scratch the surface of his skills. I think he went away from what served him very well in the minor leagues and the progression that he made in the minor leagues. And he tried to pitch to the hitter's weakness instead of pitching to his strength. And I think that cost him. So hopefully he'll come into camp and get back to what he does and be Nate Pearson again. And if he does that, I think he'll be a tremendous pitcher. But, um, you know, Gurriel made some dramatic strides. I think he's going to be a good hitter, a 300 hitter with a lot of power. Uh, you know, Bo is Bo. Bo is a special guy. He, he knows how to put the bat on the ball. And I think, um, you know, he reminds me a little bit of Paul Molitor. Mm. And, the, and the reason I'm saying that is because Molitor dealt with injuries early in his career. And I was his teammate then. And we always used to think, I wonder if Paulie's ever going to stay healthy. Because if he stays healthy, man, he's going to be a hell of a player. And I think Bo's in that same mold right now. It's just like it takes these certain guys a while to figure out how to stay healthy, stay on the field, whether it's modifying your workout regimen or taking better care of yourself uh, in your preparation. I don't mean physically off the field what you do, but I mean, you know, not practicing to fatigue. And just making sure you're fresh for the games because that's the only thing that matters. And uh, I think Molitor learned that. And, of course, at the time um, he retired, he was eighth on the hit list and he made it to Hall of Fame. But he had similar problems early in his career of staying healthy. And I think Bo's going to get over that and be an um, everyday player and be a star for a long time. You know, Buck, you made such a good point there. And that is the fact that athletes now, they don't take the right time off like, especially in the off season, it's just gym, 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 workout, workout, workout. I remember asking you years ago, what did you do in the off season? You said, I was fishing, right? I mean, you've got to take some time, right? And guys now, that, do you think they need to take a little bit more time to just get away from it for a bit? Absolutely. You know what? Uh, your body, and, you know, I'm 72 years old now, so I have a lot of experience. And, uh, <laughs> and they say I have a lot of knowledge compared to uh, – wisdom i have a lot of wisdom because i've lived it but uh, you know what yeah you got to give your body a chance to recuperate and you can't do that if you take a week off and get back in the gym i mean baseball is a game played in a field and you know it's not a muscular game it's a grace game it's a ballet if you will and i think uh, you know people are trying to make it a muscular game and we're having more injuries than we have ever had and i don't think guys play enough you know, we used to play a lot more games. If you didn't play in the summer, you played winter ball. Mm -hmm. And I played winter ball for six years after I was in the major leagues because I was a backup player and I needed to play. But, you know, that's where you learn how to play and you learn the subtleties of playing against major leaguers and you learn how to do little things that help you during the course of a summer. But, yeah, I think uh, overall, I think, you know, because – they have these great workout facilities and because they have such a great strength and conditioning staff, everybody thinks they got to work out all the time. You play for six months mm -hmm. and you, you know, you can't do it year round because your body's going to break down. Yeah. And not to mention your brain, right? I mean, I remember seeing Colby Rasmus just completely take himself mentally out of any potential of being successful because 
he'd have an 0 for 4, and then he'd spend four hours in the video room trying to break down every mistake instead of going home and spending time with his kids, right? You know what? One of the best players uh, that's ever played the game was my roommate in Kansas City, George Brett. Mm -hmm. And he did the best at turning the game off once it was over and recognizing that, you know what, I'm going to play tomorrow, I'm going to have four more bats tomorrow, and I might get four hits tomorrow. But today is over with. Mm -hmm. And he could flush it. And that's why he was so great for so long. Buck, one thing we've done on our show over the last little while when talking to former players is talk about the theme of life after baseball. Now, you've had a few lives after baseball because you had a life after a player, after being a manager, and uh, you know now you're in broadcasting, of course, and you've been there a couple times. But what do you remember about the last few years of your major league career, uh, you know, around 85, 86 when you are with the Blue Jays? Uh, from a competitive standpoint, I know most players say that they never start to say, well, we're nearing the end. But are there start? Do you start to get some signs near the end of your career that this may be the last year or this may be the end soon? Oh, absolutely. You know, I was always, as I said before, I was always a backup player, so I was always fearful that somebody was going to take my job. So as I got older, I worked harder, and I would do more in the off season. You know, once it was time to crank it up, I would you know work hard and make sure I was ready during spring training. So. I wouldn't lose my job. But in 85, I broke my leg. And then, you know, that was another entire rehab process that was uh, everyday grind. And then once I got back in the spring of 86, I made it all the way back. I made the team and I stopped working. And that's what prompted the end at the end of the 86 season because I had been satisfied that I made it back from a very significant injury. And, you know, that was something that I did and I shouldn't have done that. But at the same time, I believe at the time I was 37 years old and it was, you know, time for me to move on. Was there a moment that, that you remember uh, directly that you decided, okay, that's it. It's over. Uh, not really, Tom. I think in fact, when the blue Jays released me, it was the uh, first Monday after uh, the, final game in 86 uh jimmy williams the manager asked me if i could come into the office on monday which is never a encouraging <laughs> sign so i uh went in the office and jimmy williams was there pat gillick was there and paul beeston was there and uh pat might be the most engaged general manager as far as having feelings for his players I mean, he was welling up in tears. We don't know how to tell you this. You've been such a great part of our team. And I kind of stopped him. I said, Pat, listen, I came here in 1981, thought I would be here for a year, and I played six years here. It's been fabulous. And I know it's come to an end here. And um, I said, yeah, I just thank you guys for this great opportunity to do with the speed of you wanted and i looked at him and says you know i think i want to play some more so i'm going to see if i can find a job and uh, try to play again next year because i'd already started doing radio i'd started doing radio in 1982 with tom cheek i did the all-star game the playoff series for the media network across canada 
and Beast knew that they, you know there was people there for me. But I, my baseball ego allowed me to say, no, I'm still going to play. So then I got home with my wife, and she said, uh, what did you tell him? I said, no, I don't want to do TV right now. She said, call him back. You can't play anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but that's... Oh, once again, my wife... Yes, well, yeah, that that is one of the the secrets of a healthy marriage, right? Just being able to yeah. understand that your wife always knows best, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you mean you said you were doing the radio stuff in '82? When did when did the idea of broadcasting start to become a thing for you? Because very few players start thinking about what they want to do after baseball while they're still playing baseball. It sounds like you already pretty much had a a path that you knew that you wanted to follow once your playing days were over. Yeah, Barry, to be quite honest with you, most players don't want to hear that their playing days are over, right. so I didn't really think about it. The reason it came about was I played golf with Tom Cheek a lot, and we were very good friends. And his boss, Lynn Bramson, mm-hmm. who was originally from Montreal, came over and started up the Blue Jays radio network for Telemedia Radio. And Lenny was a good friend of mine, and he always talked about, hey, when you get done with this playing thing, you should think about broadcasting. I went, oh, Lenny, that's not a real job. I don't want to do that. (laughs) And then uh, Cheek and I talked about it for a long time, and then the opportunity presented itself. Lenny struck a deal with uh, Major League Baseball to get what he called the Champions Series, which gave him the rights to broadcast across Canada the uh, League Championship Series and the World Series. So Tom and I would do the American League. Jerry Howarth and Tommy Hutton would do the National League. And then we'd get together and do the World Series. So that was a great experience for me. And I also did at that time the All-Star Games. So I would go with Tom to do the All-Star Game and do the radio. And this is all while I was playing. And even in 1985, when I broke my leg, I went to Minneapolis. And uh, I... uh, broadcast the game on crutches i was there on crutches and uh bradley actually made the team was on the american league all-star team he came over and talked to me in a dugout he's the guy that ran over me at home plate so yeah i was pretty good experience but that was you know that was a great training uh format for me to be able to that and in 1985 and 1986 i had a uh, three-minute live radio hit from the field so i would walk off the field put a headset on and talk three minutes to recap the game so that was part of my training as well i was very fortunate that lynn bramson was a guy that you know had a vision of me working down the road and wanted to make sure ball players got involved do you know how rare you are i mean i'm thinking about the amount of athletes and ball players especially that i've tried to get interviews with and, I mean, you know what it was like. You know, I would see you on the field, and you're like, yeah, it's not as easy as you think it is, right? It's You <laughs> You and Pat always used to see, you got the toughest job, you know. But y- you as a player, you must have been the media's favorite guy because they could always go to you. Uh, you know what? I, I, you know, like I said, I wasn't a star player, and I appreciated the opportunity. So, you know, why, why wouldn't you want to talk about baseball? Why wouldn't you want to talk about your team? or your teammates, or somebody that uh, had played on the other team. I mean, it was a great opportunity to, um, you know, recap in your own mind how special things are. And, uh, yeah, we were very fortunate. And I think uh, the Blue Jay fans in general were very fortunate to have Tom Cheek 
as a guy to introduce them to baseball on a regular basis. Uh, you know, I know Blue Jay fans had baseball before the Blue Jays, but to have Major League Baseball and have Tom Sheik as the radio voice was a pretty special introduction to the game. Oh, yeah. What do you remember about your your very first broadcast, Buck? Like, was it anywhere as nerve-wracking as your Major League debut with the Royals in 69? I mean, can you compare the feelings of the first time you played a Major League game to the first time you were there, say, on for television? And, you, you know, because it's a lot different on TV because you're standing in front of the camera and they're talking in your ear and you're live, you know? What did Buck have to say? What was the answer to that question? Huh? <laughs> This is what they call a tease in the radio business. If you'd like to hear what Buck had to say about that and more into his time as a manager and some feelings that may be very hard feelings, all that is in part two of our conversation with Buck Martinez. And Tom, if people want to access part two, how would they go about doing that? Go on over to patreon.com slash out of the park. It's patreon.com slash out of the park. Sign up throw a couple nickels our way and open an entire world of absolutely amazing talks like the one that's going to be going up there this week. Oh yeah, you're going to want to hear what Buck Martinez has to say about the former employers of his from when he was the manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. Some very strong opinions from Mm -hmm. Buck Martinez. So we want to thank Buck for joining us on Out of the Park. Um, That'll do it for another episode of the show, uh, Thomas Forth. And uh, Buck was great. Great hair. Great mustache. (laughs) I think I have pretty good hair. You have a face for radio. Well, I've heard that before. (laughs) You know you have a face for? Can't do it, man. Oh, wow. I'm looking at you and I'm like... What if he cries? What if I insult him and he cries? You know, I have not ever met anybody in my life who's not only unwilling and unable to say bad things, but, like, not enthusiastic about saying bad things about me. Yeah. I don't know. There's just something about you. <laughs> you re- like, my wife, my mom, that's, like, their favorite thing to do. They get together yeah. and they make fun of me. I think I know why I don't make fun of you, Tom, and honestly and sincerely. Because I don't want to get your freaking tears all over my table, making a big mess. You're such a suck. Yeah, when I cry, it gets it's waterworks. Really? Sorry, I know. You've been listening to Out of the Park with Barry Davis. Thanks for joining us. Get home safely and see you next time.